This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We're bringing you updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. I'm Sean Zeller. Today is Monday, July 13th. The coronavirus is on the rise in 39 states, Puerto Rico, Washington, D.C., and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And in Florida, where the Republicans still plan to hold their convention, the state shattered the single-day infection record for any state with 15,300 new cases. On the brighter side, New York reported its first day without a death from COVID-19 since the pandemic gripped the nation. Today, we have reports about why the Defense Department is cutting programs to counter biological and chemical warfare amidst a pandemic, and how lawmakers are considering increasing international aid to fend off the coronavirus. We will also hear the latest in health policy news. We begin tonight with CQ Roll Call's John Donnelly, who has this exclusive report on cuts by the Department of Defense. The story uh, I did that came out today pertains to uh, a barely noticed, or really not publicized at all, um, decision that the Defense Department made in its fiscal 21 budget request to reduce by 8% compared to the current level the funding on its chemical biological defense program, which is like its umbrella program for funding the different efforts in the services, whether it's a medical thing or if, whether it's a, uh, a system like a, a protective shelter or particular type of uniform or equipment that can detect whether there are biological or chemical agents in the area. So this, this cutback has been basically not talked about publicly, but the defense committees um, have been concerned about it. And you, we saw the uh, House Appropriations Committee, which is about to mark up its uh, bill tomorrow for fiscal 2021, would um, push back on a lot of this cut, um, would basically restore about half of it. One of the things they wanted to cut was work on a vaccine for botulinum and plague. And that was like $27 million. And the House Appropriations Committee is about to say, uh, no, that's not such a great idea. So what does this matter and, and, and what is the connection to the current pandemic? This program funds not only ways of protecting military unique protections for military personnel, but it also works on, especially when you're looking at the medical side of it, a lot of things that have broader application in the whole world. Um, things like uh, diagnostics, uh, therapeutics, vaccines, um, they not only work on soldiers, they work on all human beings. And so the brain power and the labs uh, and all the resources that, that are resident in the Defense Department can play a big role, not only specifically in dealing with this particular pandemic, but actually probably more importantly, being ready for the next one. Um, being ready to, uh, you know, to detect it, coming up with uh, ways to uh, respond to it. So there's that element, just the overall capability in the Defense Department. Then there's the fact that, well, the, the supposition that, that bad guys 
are looking at what's happening with the pandemic right now and saying the United States is pretty vulnerable to biological weapons. And so it might re-energize some of the efforts overseas to uh, develop some of these terrible agents. And then the last thing pertains to chemical weapons, which we've seen used a lot more around the world by Syria, by North Korea, by Russia. And so the protections that this program affords against those weapons are increasingly needed, as the Defense Department itself acknowledges. Now to Rachel Oswald, who covers foreign policy for CQ Roll Call on lawmakers rethinking international assistance. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, earlier today said he thinks the Senate, by early August, could debate and pass legislation that would provide funds to deal with the economic and health impacts of the coronavirus pandemic. In the past, McConnell has said he supports a bill of about $1 trillion, while Democrats are pushing for more. With time of the essence to build public and bipartisan lawmaker support for what makes it into that coronavirus spending bill, which could be the last one Congress passes this year, foreign aid experts, senior UN health officials, and Democratic and Republican lawmakers are seizing the moment to demand that Congress include billions of dollars in foreign aid. Thus far, Congress has provided less than $2.4 billion in emergency aid for funding for the pandemic abroad. Around Easter time this year, a coalition of foreign assistance groups released a joint call for Congress to provide $12 billion in international coronavirus aid. But no aid came. And in the following months, as the health and economic impacts of the virus have only worsened, the estimated amount of needed aid has increased to around $20 billion, according to Tom Hart, North America Executive Director of the Anti-Global Poverty Organization, the One Campaign. The House is expected to pass next week annual foreign aid spending legislation that would include $10 billion in emergency coronavirus foreign aid. But lawmakers are already acknowledging that aid level isn't enough, particularly against the backdrop of growing concern that the United States is retreating from its traditional leadership role during times of global crisis. President Donald Trump's announcement last week that he had begun the process of formally withdrawing the United States from the World Health Organization underlines that reality. Speaking to reporters today, Representative Barbara Lee, Democrat of California, a senior foreign aid appropriator, said she doesn't think $10 billion is enough, but she's focused on protecting at least that amount as the spending negotiations continue, particularly against those Republicans who think coronavirus spending needs to be focused on domestic issues. Hart says he's looking to the Senate to produce and pass a coronavirus spending bill that includes around $20 billion. He has some reason to be hopeful he will get his wish. Last week, 32 senators, including 14 Republicans, signed a letter to McConnell urging the Senate leader to include, quote, significant U.S. investment in the international response, end quote, to the pandemic. Finally, Mary Ellen McIntyre has the latest in health policy news. Public health experts are offering support for Dr. Anthony Fauci the nation's top infectious disease expert, after a White House official distributed a list of times that Fauci has been wrong about the coronavirus over the weekend, elevating an apparent rift between Fauci and President Donald Trump. The Association of American Medical Colleges said in a statement on Monday that they were alarmed by the efforts to discredit Fauci, who directs the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. A White House official said in a statement to the Washington Post this weekend that Fauci had been wrong about such assertions early in the pandemic, that people without symptoms could spread the virus, and comments in February that people did not need to make major changes to their daily life because of the virus. 
White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany disputed the idea that the White House was dumping opposition research on Fauci to reporters and said that Trump and Fauci have a good relationship. Still, Fauci reportedly hasn't briefed Trump on the COVID-19 pandemic in weeks. Over the past week, Fauci has been stark in his comments about the poor state of the pandemic in the U.S., which Trump has said he doesn't necessarily agree with. Still, the pandemic is raging in many states across the country as school districts and federal officials grapple with how to approach the upcoming school year. L.A. and San Diego school districts said Monday that they would not reopen schools this fall as cases in California continue to quickly rise. California's Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, said Monday that the state would roll back its reopening and require restaurants, movie theaters, wineries, and other settings to close their indoor activities. He said bars would have to cease all operations. Businesses in at least 30 counties in the state would have to close gyms, places of worships, hair salons, and other non-essential businesses. California's rollback is the most significant in the U.S. so far. While some state and local officials have announced new steps to try and curb the rise in cases— such as requiring people to wear masks in public, the federal government has not announced any new mandates. Administration health officials have adamantly urged the public in recent weeks to wear a mask, and Trump donned a cloth face mask for the first time publicly over the weekend. Masks keep proving to be politically divisive. 100 health experts joined the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union to run a full-page ad in the Sunday New York Times calling for a national mask mandate. Surgeon General Jerome Adams said over the weekend that mask mandates would work best at the state and local level and warned against the possibility of over-policing if you have an enforcement mechanism requiring masks. Before we leave you tonight, educators across the nation are struggling to decide whether to open school doors to students. Despite the White House insistence that schools should open so students can attend full-time in person, there is no unified policy. Los Angeles and San Diego announced today that its school districts would open, but only teach remotely. Other districts have said there will be a hybrid between virtual and in-person attendance. And still others have yet to decide, leaving parents, teachers, and students on edge. That's it for July 13th. Stay with us for all the latest policy news on the pandemic. For the entire CQ Roll Call News team, I'm Sean Zeller.